Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Cowboys and Philosophers, episode three. Uh, we called this one One and a Half Cowboys. <laughs> uh, the title was pretty fitting because uh, we had the uh, real honor uh, about a week and some ago of being on the Burning Daylight podcast with Matt McKinley, a real genuine cowboy. Uh, I'm kind of a drugstore cowboy currently. Uh, uh, not for long, but uh, in the current last <laughs> bit of time I had. So uh, just wanted to come on and do a short little preface to this podcast to tell you what it's going to be about and, and what's happening so you kind of understand. <laughs> had some context to the situation. Uh, so the one cowboy is Matt McKinley, who I had the great honor of being on the uh, Burning Daylight podcast with. Uh, I first off would like to just say thank you to Matt. Um, it was a really neat deal, uh, for a couple of reasons. The first being that Matt has a pretty well established, uh, really well going podcast. Uh, so for him to bring me on was just a really cool deal. He was so accommodating, so friendly. He brought me on and, and, uh, let me know if he could ever help in any way that he would. And, uh, just good people just treated you the way good people would treat somebody. So I can't thank him enough for that. Um, that's the kind of guy that he is, uh, from my impression of him. So we're going to put a link to, uh, his podcast, which is, he's already put out a couple cause he's a hustler. He's the real deal. He's put out a couple since this last one, but, and, and you can go check it out on his, uh, podcast or you can, uh, watch, watch it on mine and listen to it. Um, so big thanks to Matt. First of all, he's on Instagram at move your ass. That is uh M O V E Y E R A S S. I believe it's called the burning daylight podcast. Um, and, and, uh, you can find us at cowboys and philosophers on Instagram. If you can't find Matt by any chance on uh, his, just check out ours and, and he's on there. So I wanted to give a big shout out to him, uh, for that reason. First of all, and second of all, I thought that this was kind of a big deal in a way. Uh, one, because it was filmed right after or recorded right after the election. And so it's almost easy to forget how tense things were then already. You know, everyone was telling us that our neighbors were sharpening their knives and axes and looking at us real funny. And uh, we were about to burst into civil war at a moment's notice and uh <laughs> that's when matt and i got together and talked which was a really cool deal and so i've listened to his podcast quite a bit i don't want to put any words in his mouth by any stretch of the imagination but i don't think it's any secret that he's uh, kind of libertarian leaning uh, at the very least and uh i am not i'm not any particular leaning but uh if i was trying to make you the most aware that you could be of my biases i am kind of uh geared towards conservation and environmentalism uh on a policy by policy no right i'm not i don't want to get into any of the, the stupid policies or stupid stuff or better ones but long story short i think at the time um if you'd have took some of the the ideas I was talking about and what Matt was talking about, most people would have told us that we shouldn't talk or, or even uh, 
get together or be in a room together or anything like that. And, and instead of anything like that happening, what happened was one of the most enjoyable experiences and conversations I've had in, in quite a long time. Um, and it, it, it happened, I think, in part because of uh, two reasons, both of which fall under what I've been preaching for a long time, which is moral psychology. Um, Matt is a bona fide cowboy, and I think that we both shared those cowboy values. And that's what I've been talking about for a long time. Not putting ideas or ideologies before values. Putting values first. And, uh, and I'll tell you the story in a second, but so what happened was when we ended up sitting down together and talking, uh, everything was in good faith. We didn't sit there and, and pick it, pick apart anything. And, uh, but I listened to what he said and he listened to what I said. I actually learned quite a bit from him, uh, material wise, content wise. And I learned how he felt about things and how he thought about things. And, um, some of it made some pretty good sense to me. And, uh, I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so after that exchange, I went and looked into it. It was proof that moral psychology worked because stuff I probably normally wouldn't have looked into uh, when the first person to present some of that information to you is not hostile towards you. Uh, you actually go and look into some of that stuff and think, huh, this is not exactly what I believe, but I might be more open to it. and, and more open to his perspective. And uh, I thought that was kind of neat. I just thought it was a good deal that people can sit down and, and not necessarily have the same ideas uh, or same ideological tilts, uh, but share a, a value and uh, be able to sit down. So I just wanted to compliment Matt on that. And, and um, the whole experience was just great for that reason. Uh, when you sit down to, and just listen to somehow how someone feels and how someone thinks in good faith, to try to really understand what they're getting at and, and why they think and act and feel the way they do, you, you you can get somewhere. And so, I don't know, I just kind of thought that that could be something that we could, uh, or that at least I'm going to continue to try to build off of as experiences like that. And, and uh, I'm sure people on either side of any kind of ideologies, I hate to break things into sides, but it, it invested in either his kind of ideological leanings or mine would have said, well, why didn't you say this? And why didn't you press this guy? And, and it was never about that. It wasn't that kind of party to begin with. Uh, so it was just really enjoyable to sit down with somebody who was just level-headed and, and had a lot of value, uh, similar values and, and go figure. Like I've said from the beginning, we had more in common uh, than any damn political ideas that we thought we had, you know, or we thought we believed in. And, uh, so yeah, I've rambled on about it quite long enough, but I just thought it was a good deal for that reason. And uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the other thing that happened that I wanted to preface real quick is uh, I think I've been rambling with diarrhea of the mouth about philosophy for so long that no one has voluntarily asked me a philosophy question in a long damn time. Uh and so Matt asked me a couple, and I just stumbled right out of the gate. I just uh, fell right flat on my face. Uh, nobody's asked me any kind of real uh, questions about philosophy in a long time beyond some of the more advanced stuff. They always like the controversial stuff to ask me about. And Matt just asked me a couple questions. And so right off the bat, I said that Berkeley was a, uh, a skeptic when he wasn't. That I kind of was referring to Hume, and then I didn't say that I actually meant Hume. Uh, Berkeley was a clergy member. Um, 
and and definitely not a skeptic i don't think uh i kind of conflated aristotle's metaphysics with his natural philosophy uh yeah what else there was one other thing oh yeah i it kind of bothered me a little bit because if you didn't watch the pilot you would think that i was kind of that i had said i was going for my phd which would have made it seem like i was in a doc doctoral program which i never was um i have a couple degrees but uh and so i knew i wasn't trying to say that but it seemed like that could be um mistaken and i always try to be very careful with my words and i have a, a really good friend who went through his phd program and when he described it to me I realized to him it was similar to the experiences I'd had in the military and cowboy and stuff. It was the the adventure of his life. It was a really tough and rigorous deal uh, that he went through, and uh, it was nothing to scoff at. And so I felt a little bit of like stolen valor when I rewatched that. I was like, I hope people don't think that was what I was trying to say. So I wanted to clear that up too. And uh, yeah, I've rambled on long enough. Go check out Matt's uh, podcast. He <laughs> so his deal is he's a comedian. He's he well he's. He's very humorous, and uh, he's a real-life cowboy, and uh, he does political stuff. He's incredibly knowledgeable about politics, um, I mean, down to, like, districts, and he he knows really knows his stuff. He leans libertarian, and he's really funny. Uh, <laughs> he had some hilarious memes come out during the... Uh, during the election that uh that's what got me drawn to his podcast was <laughs> uh in the beginning i see him on instagram just putting up the funniest memes um he's killing it so if you like libertarian stuff if you like just humorous political stuff if you like cowboy and stuff he's got some amazing videos of him popping abscesses on cattle on his uh youtube so go check him out and shout out for having me on matt thank you so much i, I enjoyed the heck out of it and i hope we get to do it again or, or maybe when this things over i wouldn't mind drinking some whiskey with you or something like that so uh again that's uh the burning daylight podcast check out the uh the uh link in the description below uh check them out on instagram and uh as always uh subscribe if you can and uh yeah thanks
Howdy there, folks. I am uh, live here with Mr. Henry Merrill. Is that how you pronounce it, Merrill? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, fellow podcaster, cowboy podcaster, he is uh, the host of the show called uh, Cowboys and Philosophers. Uh, pretty new. When did, when did you start doing this, Henry? Oh, it's been like two months at the most. Okay. I was going to say, you're, you're pretty brand new because I, I couldn't find you on uh, on my normal uh, app that I use. Uh, I've got a, a garbage uh, Sam's, Samsung phone and uh, I uh, so I have to use that app. Uh, and I couldn't find you, but I, I, I saw you on YouTube and I hate watching podcasts on YouTube because I'm always on the go. And uh, so, you can't like lock your screen and uh and whatnot so that's why i prefer that right. just like a, a audio podcast but anyhow um i thought uh this would be a good time to talk about philosophy and whatnot so uh we just had uh well i guess it's not a certified winner but we had a declared winner by the associated press <laughs> joe biden is uh the well declared the president-elect um and as we were talking here just a little bit before, I uh, I kind of had a a pretty strong uh, suspicion that the country was leaning more towards Trump just because of the the lockdowns and um, the the bad press and everything. I thought the country would, and and then the riots, the 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 riots nationwide. I thought that was going to be what swung. Uh, everything towards Trump, and I was predicting a red tsunami. I thought, I think my final prediction was Trump with 341 on the electoral side, and uh, I figured, and then the rest of it, I, I I called it pretty pretty accurately. I figured the Republicans would pick up some ha- seats in the House, um, but not win it, and then they would hold the Senate, which that that's kind of in limbo and. Um, I'd be I'd be shocked if they don't spend a billion dollars in Georgia for these two runoffs uh, between the two parties. Um, they are going to dump so much money into advertising there. But um, this uh, this election was a little disappointing, um, not because I'm a huge Trump guy, but because I. Uh, it seems like maybe the country is leaning a little harder left than I I was reading, and that that part is uh, I'm not I'm not a, a hard right wing guy, but uh, the 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 way they're leaning is uh, is a hard shift towards socialism, and that that I'm not really okay with. But um, how how did you have this one going? Um, I, you know, it was like we were just talking a little bit uh, beforehand. Um, I just had, I wasn't sure, to be honest with you. I, I saw some of the polling and um, I figured he would get the, I, I have a lot of friends in Florida and um, they are like diehard. It's like what scares them, right? And mm-hmm. so I figured all you would literally have to do is say the word socialism and, and a lot of the lab out there would jump Trump. And so, I don't know, just for so many reasons, I honestly was, just I'm just gonna see what happens. I had no clue. I kind of suspected that Biden was gonna was gonna take it 
in uh, several of the battleground states, you know, and, and um, yeah, I, I think I kind of anticipated happening what was happening. I thought that it was going to be uh, a pretty clear Biden win, but I wasn't sure. I was up for anything. I was ready to be wrong at, at any minute. And uh, so. Did you see Arizona? Uh, I guess, did they, have they called Arizona yet? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Once once I kind of found out, I've stopped following a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I I was not really surprised with Arizona for like a couple reasons. Uh, I mean, one, because obviously the uh, major metropolitan regions are, are, you know, crucial in terms of just population. Yeah. You know, and... Um, but I also, Arizona has always, um, like I said, bread and buttered Arizona guy, and it's always had a really independent street. Mm. Um, and it's had a, a really weird, a really weird demographic in terms of, so when I look at a lot of the older Arizonans that I knew, they came out here, you know, and were Mormon <coughs> settlers. And uh, I do think there's this kind of cultural thing that's been passed down. I, I grew up, my whole family was Mormon, except for my branch of the family. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the religious evangelical vote kind of passed right. But a lot of these people I knew down in the Tucson, Tucson area in northern Arizona were very like a kind of almost Quaker value system. You know, that kind of like they're not religious anymore, but they're not like a personal responsibility for others. They're not like I can do whatever I want, but you better do this. They're like a I save my money I don't eat out I sell my own clothes so that I can give my money to the poor mm-hmm. and they've always been different in that aspect they've always been like a really kind of strange social demographic to describe and they tend to lean independent and and um kind of crazy things like that so I wasn't surprised yeah I um uh, <clears throat> I always thought I knew Arizona was gonna be close I knew uh I but I, I had it going red just because Maybe I just I I, I don't know. It's probably a little bit of an echo chamber on on my part because uh, I live out in the middle of nowhere. I like that. I but I you know I thought I had a pretty good read on on some of the cities because just some friends I had. But turns out, man, yeah, I'm just a little more in an echo chamber than I thought. And uh, yeah, and and I I just uh, I think I underestimated how much. Uh, people hated Trump too. Like, uh, and I, I, I say people, right. but like the people that hated him, like really hated him. And I, and I think that bled down right. to like the people that would, uh, normally had been indifferent, had a like mild to moderate dislike for him. And, uh, and, right. I, and I guess I, cause I, I've got a pretty strong dislike for him. Uh, but I also, I, from a comedy side, I, I freaking love him. <laughs> he is, he might be one of the funniest guys to ever live uh, from like a troll's perspective. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, uh, I guess um, that kind of going where we're talking a little political philosophy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I toss around that, that term quite a bit and I, I call myself a philosophizer. And, uh, but when I got to thinking about it, I was like, you know, I'm not really, I don't know much about the like the true meaning of philosophy, and you know I haven't read a whole lot of Socrates or Aristotle or Plato. Uh, I've read some Murray Rothbard here and there, but um, as far as like the classical philosophers, I know a little bit about them, but I, I haven't really read any. And uh, so, like, 
I guess what what is philosophy? Okay, all right, perfect. Well, uh, let me bore you. All right, let me uh, uh, wake up and then tell me when to stop. Um, number one thing that you have to do to be philosophy is just be able to talk a lot of crap. <laughs> you got to be able to drone on about it. So I'm going to do that. Um, so philosophy was originally like it was everything. It was a study of everything, basically minus mathematics. So I'm sure you've heard it before. What you would take phylos would mean of, mm. and and um, and so forth with them. And so it was supposed to be like a love of wisdom or something like that. And um, it was supposed to be it's supposed to be like a filter to you know basically see the world through. And and uh, and it uses you know you use logic, pure logic, and uh, uh, formal logic and informal logic to try to make as close to as valid inferences as you can about the world. And um, it's rooted in like a sense of awe or a sense of wonder to try to, you know, know your cognitive limitations. And so it, break, it comes down in three, three main branches. Epistemology, which would be the, uh, the study of experience. Uh, metaphysics, which is going to be your God, the nature of reality. Um, and ethics, which is how to live your life. And so it tries to answer questions that science can't can answer. How should you live your life? Where the best will live your life? What is the nature of your life? And the minute that those things can be answered by science in a scientific way, it becomes another discipline. For instance, science used to be called natural philosophy. Mm -hmm. We would uh, philosophize about the way things work. And then the minute that um, science could start answering those questions, um, it became a science and it was longer called natural philosophy. And so uh, it tries to, uh, they say high science answers um, ours, like our questions of nature, the way things are. And, and philosophy answers questions that are more along like the lines of thoughts, what ought you to do, okay. how ought you to think. So yeah, yeah so a little bit of it in a, in a, uh, in a nutshell. And then it goes on to, to get pretty far out there. <laughs> so there's from there you can uh you can go to like a moral philosophy, you can have a political philosophy. Um and then you know and then that that can all be branched down into to whatever. And um you know this uh this might be kind of shocking to a lot of people, but uh what we can deduce from that is uh there's probably more than two ways to think. <laughs> I mean that that's uh Shocking. that's uh you know major breaking news but yeah there <laughs> there uh there's actually more even than three ways to think so that's uh um we might uh, we might find that out come uh, when we come to uh dissect all these uh these election results uh when you're talking about like the the Cuban uh, Cuban American vote down in Florida, and uh, and also kind of the Mexican vote down on, uh, particularly in Texas on the border itself, um, went heavily red. Whereas like uh, the inner city, El Paso, San Antonio, the Mexican vote there, I'm sure was uh, was probably pretty predominantly uh, Biden, and uh, and it's just like yeah, well maybe maybe there is more to it than just. Uh, Red and blue, a Republican, de Democrat, white, black, you know, there's a, there's a lot to life and there's a lot to go that goes into <laughs> how somebody thinks. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, the, and and that's pretty prevalent. The, the idea is that, you know, they say when, when you're training Colts, you're training them, whether you're training them or not. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, that's philosophy as well. You're doing it whether you think you're doing it or mm. not, you know, so yeah, we're all doing it. Uh, so those, those of us that say we're doing it uh, or trying to do it for a living are not that uh, special. We're all doing it in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, how, how did you... How did you get uh, into, uh, I guess, what are the origins of uh, Cowboys and Philosophers? Oh, man. Okay. I'll try not to bore you too bad again. <laughs> I'll try to be kind of succinct. Um, uh, so I was going for my PhD in philosophy. Um, and what happened was I just kept getting degrees because I really wanted to know the truth about a lot of things. So I would start over and I'd get a degree and I'd be like, well, you know what I want. And now I need to know about economics to answer all these questions. So I'd go start that degree. And then I'd be like, well, I, now there's um, psychological things that would bleed into how you would view economics. So I got to get a degree in psychology. And so it was just, it was this huge process. And, um, and, and I'm older. I, I, I'm, uh, I started college a lot older. And so eventually at some point in time, I realized that I was going to get done with all this crap, like a decade line. Cause I had like, you know, I was doing dual degrees and stuff. And, um, I realized the investment was so huge. And then at the end, I would probably struggle to find a job within academia and, I just was a little disenfranchised with the with the academic system. And and I also thought that people that needed to get some of the best information, you know, there's this huge attack on academia right now. Um, and there is left-wing bias undoubtedly in academia. I will not deny that. But regardless, a lot of these really smart people um, were not, their voices weren't being heard, right? We were getting kind of end of the bar philosophy, the kind that I do. Yeah. And I was like, man, I I, I, I want... I've always been, I came up really poor. I've always been just kind of a common dude, uh, blue collar guy. And I was like, I want to kind of be the medium in between some of these really uh, cool academics that have really cool stuff to say and have worked their whole lives on it. Uh, and the people that might be interested in hearing that. And um, yeah, so, and I was always interested in cowboy stuff, like grew up kind of doing it. And I thought, well, maybe I could just, not have a targeted demographic and I probably won't be that successful, but I'll talk about some cool stuff and I'll talk to some cool people and uh, maybe my mom will watch my show. Yeah. And she'll be like, good job. <laughs> well, uh, little did you know, well, I'm sure you did know, but maybe little did you realize uh, like philosophizing, that's just as cowboy and as, as Ropin is. So, uh, like that, it's just that's an essential part to being a good cowboy. You got to philosophize on on all sorts of things. And uh, yeah, I, like when you followed me on Instagram, I was like, "Oh, uh, cowboys and philosophers." Uh, I wonder what this is all about. And then I, I was like, "Oh, YouTube." But oh, he's uh, <laughs> and my first thought is like, he, he's got to do this in podcast form. Uh, and then I was like, then you message him, yeah, you're on the audio, and I was that's um. Like Corbett Wall is a, is a really good market analyst, um, and he does strictly YouTube. And I I don't listen to him uh, nearly like I would if he was on a, on a podcast app, just because I okay. I don't have time to sit down and uh, 
you know, and, and watch a, a YouTube video. And like we were talking, like you, once you, if you lock your phone or you lock your screen, then unless you pay per month, uh, uh, you know, subscription, then you can't, you know, it shuts, shuts off. And then, ah, it, it's, uh, white people, first world problems, you know, <laughs> but anyhow, I was, I saw it. I was like, Cowboys and philosophers. I, I, I think you're onto something. I, and I listened to a couple. I like, I like it. And, uh, and like I said, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, uh, you know, like classical philosophy uh, like I should. And so, this is a, this is a great time to... So, um, I guess on that note, who who is your, your favorite, you know, like gun to, gun to your head, uh, who's your favorite philosopher? Oh, man, it's got to be Aristotle. I hate him. He's got to... Like, if Aristotle was here, he would be such a cocky... Just a son of a gun just because a, a he's prick. just right about everything. <laughs> just a prick. You'd hate him. You'd be like, he'd be that kind of guy that he was always right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, dude, shut up about it, Aristotle. Yeah. We get it. You can know everything about everything. Yeah. Is, is <laughs> he, he, would is be he that the, guy. the Donald yeah. Trump of philosophers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. He would, yeah, I don't know who he would be. He would, yeah, you'd get tired of Aristotle real quick. One time I like had had some had adversity in my life and I was texting my, or emailing one of my professors about it. And it was a really cool response because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Aristotle, we both prescribed Aristotle's virtue ethics. And so I'm like, yeah, I guess Aristotle would say I'm wrong. And he's like, you know what? Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, so he's a Aristotle was- that, that's your go-to, huh? For sure. For sure. Politics, ethics. I mean, he was right about everything, I think, minus um, his met- metaphysics. I mean, his uh, he had this idea that so before Copernicus and stuff, a lot of Aristotle was used to um, justify, which fit pretty well in with religion at the time that, you know, obviously the, the universe revolved around us. and. And that was about the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head that Aristotle was just dead wrong about. But I think other than that, he gives a compelling, um, a compelling explanation for most things from politics to ethics. Yeah. Nice. Um, who, who's the most overrated? Oh man. The most overrated. Um, I don't know. See, back in the day, if you were rich, you could just be a philosopher. You just had to write your stuff down in a book and like argue with another philosopher. And uh, maybe Bart Berkeley, um, the guy, you know, from UC Berkeley, Berkeley or Hume. Okay. They were both like hardcore skeptics, which is like they thought that you could, and you can really do this. This is the part where you have to be a kid, not just a philosopher and be like, this is stupid. You could, I could logically make the argument for you that, you have no logical reason to believe that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. You literally, like I could do that with logic because yeah. Hume does it. And you just have to be like, shut up, Hume. You're just <laughs> stupid. You didn't do anything here wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so some of them are pretty overrated. Some of those uh, enlightenment guys. Yeah. I, uh, I could say the same thing about most uh, libertarian philosophers uh today um because i think they're right i think they're 100 percent right on a lot of the stuff like even if you go into like the anarcho-capitalism stuff i I think yeah i think they're right you could model a society with no governing body uh you know based on if if 
if you have a uh, a society built on a respect for private property rights and the non-aggression pr- principle. We don't have yep. that, and I don't think we ever will. <laughs> uh, so right, therefore, right. we've got to work with something else, and that's that's I I'm a diehard libertarian, and then you know when I when it comes down, you ask me, should the government do this or that? My my knee jerk answer is going to be no. The government shouldn't be doing anything. Uh, and, but that's not the that's not the world we live in, and uh, and that's right. so that, that's why I say with the, the libertarian philosophers, whether it be Rothbard or uh, or Hoppe or um, Ludwig, Ludwig von Mises, any of those. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say they're wrong, but they're wrong right. because that that's not the world that we live in, and. And so I, I think that's yeah. kind of the same point you're making there. Yeah, I do. I do feel that there is some really beautiful political philosophy out there, libertarian uh, philosophy, uh, kind of social libertarian philosophy. Um, and some of that stuff is really beautiful stuff. And, and I think that it can remain as that. Like it can be two different things. You know, yeah. you can. You know, I, I think that was some anarchist work, um, Bakunin and, and some stuff like that. I think, well, this is. A really beautiful idea. It's a beautiful ideology, and I can respect it for being a beautiful ideology. I don't see it ever being pragmatic. You know, it is, it is a beautiful idea that's been posited by you guys and women and stuff. So it's really, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's uh, not, I think, and, and that's yeah. you that's might pull over your cord or something. Your, your mic kind of cut out a little bit. Gotcha. Um, but. Yeah, I uh have you ever uh read Lysander Spooner? No. Okay, so he's like no, one sir. of the original American anarchist and uh his I and I it's been a while since I read this essay or whatever it was, but he uh like his thought was that every every member of Congress and the you know and the president whoever swore an oath to the Constitution or to defend and uphold the Constitution was bound by that that was a con that was a, a legal contract um however he was not bound by that because he didn't sign any document he had no say in the in the writing of the constitution and uh and and he was he was one of the, like the original i guess libertarian thinkers and uh right and yeah, that's uh, it's another one. Like when you when you go logically and and step by step, like he's not wrong. <laughs> um, in in one sense, but uh, in in the real world sense, well, that's just not how it works. And uh, you know, however logically right. right you may be, that's not how the world works right now. And uh, and that's that's kind of a lot of the struggle I have with uh a lot of a lot of libertarian positions i even though i agree with them wholeheartedly that's not the world that we live in and how how do we how do we reconcile a lot of that as uh i don't know that's uh i think we're going to be doing a lot of soul searching here in the next uh oh at least 4 years i uh i think when you look at um you know it was kind of the opposite of uh like the Obama phenomenon, like, you know, the right half of the country hated Obama, but like most of your middle of the road people, they liked Obama and hated his policies. You look at, you know, at the 20, 2010 uh, House election, you know, that he had the, the Tea Party wave. 
And then like they just mm-hmm. steadily gain seats in the House and the Senate every uh, every term or every election uh, during Obama's uh, you know time in office. And but Obama was always popular with uh, with the American people and. Donald Trump was never popular uh, overall, <laughs> but he uh, but his base like got more and more devoted, and uh, you know, and he actually, I it the uh, the Republican you know establishment as much as they hated him. Without him, I don't know if they would have ever won another presidential election. Like they, uh, the Republicans. Yeah, I, on a national level, we're just man. They were they were almost dead. And I don't know, it, but but yeah, but for some reason, like I guess going back, like the so the Republicans picked up seats in the House, which means, uh, you know, the I guess the. Uh, you know the at least probably the pocketbook of them of the country is is tending towards conservative and uh that looks like they're gonna hold the senate um but i I don't know like i said they're gonna dump a ton of money into georgia because of those two runoff uh races there and um and the republicans need both of them because if uh if the democrats pick up one then it's a 50 50 split with kamala harris as the, the tiebreaker so uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be a lot of money poured into that into those races. Uh, so that that does give me some hope that you know the country's not far left. But then you you look at um, Biden's you know platforms when he's rolling you know rolling out his transition team, and they're they're talking about you know like that critical race theory that Trump just banned in. Uh, to be taught at the federal level, uh, guarantee you that'll be re-implemented uh, pretty well on day one under under Biden. So you're going to have more intersectional, super woke left thinking that permeates, you know, everything from academia to the military right now. And uh, you're going to have a, you know, a super, super left wing green policy that that just starts to filter in through everything. And I don't know. I, I think um, I don't think tensions are going down anytime soon. Oh, man, yeah, that's a difficult thing. So that's actually what I study now is, uh, and probably the field of research I'll eventually go into is moral psychology, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, so like height and a lot of the uh, stuff that they're putting out now um, is is. I hope to be the way moving forward. We were talking a little bit about that earlier. uh, And I get a lot of young people that are really interested in learning personal fitness. Yeah. And, um, and, and how to get on and compromise with people. And um, that's kind of the field I've I've more or less kind of abandoned politics. I'm like a single issue voter really. And, but, but I hope that, I don't know. I don't know their tensions are going to go down either. It's a really, it's a really tough thing to uh, try to predict at this point, whether we'll continue to just live in these digital echo chambers or whether we'll eventually be able to uh, talk to our neighbors and, and stuff. And I think moral psychology offers a compelling, you know, data-driven way to do that. Uh, but a lot of people literally don't want to hear it. I'll mm-hmm. try to tell them like, hey, 
let me tell you half how half the country feels. You can keep your facts that you think are facts. You can keep your moral reasoning that you think is is infallible. And I'll tell you that half the country is probably one. We can't make generalizations about all of them. They're probably mm-hmm. a, a multivariable group. And two, they're scared, fallible people like yourself. Yeah. And and some people, uh, some people are receptive receptive to that, especially young people. But a lot of people that have been radicalized by this stuff are like, no. Yeah. Uh, I can't even live in this country yeah. because half the people did this, and and so. I'm hoping that we, I can keep talking about this stuff and uh, I'm hoping that we can kind of see a way forward. Um, and, and moral psychology, like I said, offers a template for that, but we'll see. We'll see. It'll be tough. Well, I, I think there's, uh, I think there's some, some light at the end of the tunnel. Cause when you look at like pod te- podcasting in particular, um, you know, if you go down the, the, like the top, 25 uh on on any any level of podcast like you know any category um they're they're probably going to be long form and are and they're going to have a bigger audience than just about any cable tv show or any tv show in general and uh and in particular the news so that that's a good thing like people are are getting their their news elsewhere Problem with that, a lot of it comes from social media, and that's all you know, just headline driven and just clickbait shit. So, I I know for my audience, um, and and I think for the most part they're pretty good. Um, but you gotta you gotta read past the headline. Like if, if there's a headline that that's yeah. that catches your attention, well, read down and see what the because it's usually like five or six paragraphs down you'll find out what they're actually trying to say and um and it may it may be like the the final line you never know and right but it's uh but i think when you look at people like rogan and uh like kyle kalinsky tim pool um People want to know like what's actually going on, and they don't. They don't even particularly carry your bias as long as you admit your bias, and and that's kind of me. Right, like right. I, I don't like the news. Just like I don't believe you because I can see, I can see the hatred for Trump like radiating out of your ears. So I don't believe what you're about to tell me. If you would have just said right off the bat. I think Donald Trump's the worst person on earth and here's why. And now let me tell you this story. I, I can at least listen to you there because you're, you're being honest. Okay. And I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, a good, good sign that like people are trending away from, from cable news and, and more towards podcasts and, and, and maybe they're, they're searching out there to continue their echo chamber, but there's a good chance uh, somewhere along the way, they're going to hear some differing opinions and, you know, at least, at least the seed is planted. So I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, there does have to be some good things about that. And I, and I, I really like your podcast for that reason is, um, so I'm a linear thinker. So, uh, I'm really high in linear trades, which means I'll jump around really quick Mm -hmm. and I'm going to talk about a bunch of crap and tie it together. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? But so I train personal protection dogs, Belgian Malwas. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, they're really cool dogs. And so one time somebody told me like, well, you know, those Malwas have the IQ of a two-year-old. And I'm like, huh. Well, I, I would believe that, that they have the problem. They can solve a Rubik's Cube at about the same level that a two-year-old <laughs> can. 
But what they are is incredibly perceptive, incredibly sharp. They understand the dynamics on a crazy level of everything that's happening in the room. That's not IQ. And, and I do think that people are like that. Uh, people sense when you're genuine. Mm-hmm. People sense when you have an agenda. And people will sense when you're just saying, hey, these are the ideas that I have. I'm not willing to die on these hills. Do you find any of them compelling? I'm genuinely invested in having a conversation with you, not a bad faith conversation where I try to, you know, suddenly insult you. Uh, no, I'm just interested in telling you what I think. And, and I genuinely respect you as a human being. And, and when people are faking at that, they can feel it like a dog. Yeah. And when people are really doing yeah. it, people can feel it. They can sense what's going on. And so I really like that about your podcast is, is that you offer up your opinions, but, and it's a similar thread to mine that I try to, the underlying premise is, is that uh, I'm not an unbiased, uh, infallible human being. I'm, I'm like you, and this is what I think. And at the end of the day, if you don't like any of it, I still respect you because here's this crazy idea I don't base my respect for people based on their political affiliations. I, I base it on things like their word and their integrity and mutual respect, you know? Yeah. So I think people can feel that. Yeah, I I think so. And, you know, I, I, I can't be anything other than what I am. You know, I'm just, I'm not very good at, at faking stuff. <laughs> uh, and, and my wife will, will, well, she's said it many times that like, I'm, I'm honest to a fault because, uh, like, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I guess I learned real early on that, like, uh, if you lie about something, you're going to have to, uh, there's always like a lie to, uh, that just keeps on, on, you know, you have to tell another lie to cover up, cover up, and eventually you get caught. So, like, you know, rip the band aid right. off, and it, it's usually, it's, it's usually better off that way. And, um, I don't know. I guess that maybe that's what, what, what bleeds through in the, in the podcast, but I, I don't have this all figured out. I think I've got a pretty good foundation on, on what to think, but yeah, I, I don't have, like I said, I, I've really misjudged, uh, you know, like as far as this election goes, I, and, uh, and I, hell, I even misjudged my own state. I, <laughs> I thought, I thought for sure Nevada was going to go, was going to go to, to Trump by a, by a slim margin. And I, I you know, just, is optimistic thinking, I guess, but I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, I think, I think there's some, like you said, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but I, I think the path getting there is going to be pretty rocky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could, uh, I mean, so one thing that I would always tell people and, and the studies that suggest this are uh, from a number of method methodologies, across a number of cultures, across decades. And it's almost a, a known truth that you don't make, usually we don't, our, our, our political leanings are what we'd call post hoc justifications. Yeah. The, the idea that I always love it when I hear people say, facts don't care about your feelings. And it's like, no, the facts you choose, that's, that's a fact. How about that? That's a scientific fact. So uh, I, I had figured out from watching your show, you're a libertarian and I know a lot of libertarians and um, I respect them because I usually get where they're coming from. So when you do the moral roots of, of conservatives like Haidt talks about and, and liberals, you find libertarians. And I, and I saw this when I watched your show, you said something along the lines of like taxation is theft. Yeah. Uh, and that's because you're, yeah. you're a really principled man. And so 
I'm making assumptions about you, but yeah. generalizations about libertarians. And, and so for libertarians, what we, we, we really messed up in the 60s. And when we did moral reasoning, we thought only two things mattered to people. And, and you got this kind of liberal model of harm and fairness. Yeah. And it turns out there's at least six other, other things that are really important to people, justice being them. And so uh, uh, when you get a libertarian, you get someone that's really high in principle. Uh, I like the principle of, you know, uh, that I won't be taxed. And then you get the, the moral roots of uh, somebody like a liberal or a left-leaning person, and they're really high in openness traits. And they want things like uh, uh, equality and fairness, which are equally important to them. Um, and they don't mind violating someone's principles for it. So, and, and long story short, you see like that feelings essentially make political matter. So uh, moral psychology kind of gives us a way to go forward and understand why people think the way they think. I was about to pee my pants. Sorry about that. <laughs> gotcha. No, same. Yeah. So I, I was just, uh, yeah, more or less uh, rambling on it. Good enough. I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the rambles. So no, I think, okay. you, I think you're okay. right. You know, I, I, I do, I do have a very strong set of principles and I think most people should. I, I, I really think you should. I, you got to have roots or, uh, you know, you, you blow away like a tumbleweed. And, mm-hmm. and you know, but it's always like, well, <laughs> that's, that's the, the issue is like, uh, who, what, what are your roots? Everybody has different roots. And, uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, <laughs> there's a, and then that's kind of the, the beauty of libertarianism is like, Everybody can kind of do their own thing as long as we agree. You don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff, basically. is is kind of the mm-hmm. kind of the roots of it all. Yeah. And uh cuz I I yeah, I get and I, I'll go ahead. I just was going to say yeah, and I think that that's it's it's really good to recognize. I think the way forward will be understanding that there's very little that you can do to change how someone was wired from childhood on, mm-hmm. but to understand that the country was founded on democracy and compromise. And I'll give you a quick example. Uh, you know, you had mentioned in your show, your pro second amendment, which is something I uh, am, am as well. But so I'll give you a, two compelling stories real quick. Um, I say to you, Hey brother, I'd like to talk to you about this issue. And it's really important to me. And let's go full agree that at the end, we might not have a, we might not, ha- we, we might just go ahead and start the dialogue out with the understanding that we're probably not going to agree, but I will tell you how I feel. And so I'll say, you know, I was born in the city where it's statistically gun, guns are used for violence way more often than they ever are in rural America. They were always terrifying to me. My friends were, were, were shot by them and then school kids were shot by them. And I just feel they're a really scary thing. And you'll put yourself in a state of metacognition and say, oh, I understand how you feel like that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll say, well, I was raised in the country where they're very rarely used for, for any kind of type of violence. They were a part of my identity. We used them to dispatch wild animals or feral animals. And we had a lot of fun recreational times with them. 
And and what am I supposed to do if someone breaks in my house? Make me a sam- make them a sandwich, you know? I, I I I like to feel defended, and I do live in a rural area. And he'll go, okay, well, I understand why you feel that way, and then and then mm-hmm. we'll agree that maybe there could be some compromise, and maybe it's not an issue that you could compromise on, but there might be other issues. But when you come right in and and tell someone they're too epistemologically stupid to understand the nature of reality for not agreeing with you right off the bat. Uh, that they're just an idiot. It challenges them on such an evolutionary level that there's no you're going to do to ever break through to them or have any common ground. And so, and and that's the way that moral psychology could help the dialogue going forward. And, and I hope that we'll move into something like that. Well, yeah, and I I think as a as a thought exercise for for everybody, like when you hear uh, some sort of opinion that that is just radically different from yours. And in particular, if it's coming from somebody that you know and, and respect or, you know, at least, you know, don't hate, I guess. And, uh, you know, <laughs> ask questions instead of just saying, well, you're wrong. It's like, oh, no, tell me why you think that. Like, you yeah. know, or or, uh, or even, you know, if I get, I always do this to my to my buddies, like my buddy Aaron. Uh, you know, it's just like, well, okay, defend your position. And, mm-hmm. and... And then, like, you'll find out real quick uh, how how strongly they are tied to that opinion. Because if they uh, if they can't if they can't back it up, then like, then you that's when you you lay out your your own defense. I mean, it's uh, but like if you just immediately like your your hackles are up and like, oh, that's stupid. That, that yeah. that's where we've been for the last like fifty years in this country, and. You know, that's got us to where that's what got Donald Trump elected and then it it looks like unelected. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they said that Trump was honestly elected because of negative partisanship. You know, I mean, one, in part, people being left behind and, you know, the the forgotten people or whatever. And two, the uh, irritation of the wokesters Mm -hmm. uh, really fired people up. And so. I think that Joe Biden might have been a little similar. He was um, certainly not never polled as the most compelling candidate, but it was a negative partisanship. It was like, uh, I don't know that you're the guy for me, but you're going to hurt the guy that I hate. Uh, <laughs> and that I, was how Trump got elected. I think that was how he got unelected. I, I think both both candidates, regard and you know, even if. Uh, even if Trump somehow gets reelected through all this, doesn't look like it, but there's a chance. Uh, but even so, both of those candidates are a big fuck you to the ruling to, to the ruling class in general. It's like we're we're tired of both of like we, people were tired of the status quo. That's why Trump got elected. Uh, people were really tired of the Twitter tirades, and that looks like be a pretty big reason why uh you know like it's it's like we want somebody from the outside like uh we want somebody from the outside that actually knows what the fuck's going on too yeah yeah i think you did see a lot of that you saw a lot of overlap in trump supporters that that were bernie supporters Mm -hmm. because there was and and when you talk to um, people on the far right one thing that I noticed is they're equally disenfranchised with the GOP mm-hmm. or with Republicans as they are with, you're going to be like, Oh, so you're sympathetic to Republicans. It's like, no, they're, they're not sympathetic to any of it. They're like, the whole thing is 
they're ready for the whole thing to go. Yeah, I uh, one of my favorite memes memes that somebody shared to me. It's the you know the Dwight when uh, um, what's his Angela's like tapping on his shoulder. He's like fuck. It's like uh, you know it's like uh, basically somebody like when I'm shitting on the the Democrats and then uh, you know Republicans will come up thinking I'm on their side and yeah. No, I don't like you guys either. <laughs> I don't like the GOP either. And uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people like that out there. That are just like, uh, people are really over the the two party system, but nobody seems to know how to how to get rid of it. And uh, absolutely, yeah. And the the Libertarian Party has not helped their case at all. Um, I have nothing personally against Joe Jorgensen, but if you want to. If you ever want to be, you know, break into the to the two party stronghold, you're going to have to put up somebody better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, definitely stuff. I kind of think that maybe we could concentrate as well on. I'm kind of a don't throw the baby out with the bathwater guy, which is a really unpopular opinion at this time you know i'm kind of like a moderate centrist i'm not really anything i just try to base things on philosophy and the best that i can follow data analytics and empirical evidence but um i i sometimes wonder about the amount of people that that could fix fix the two-party system and i'm not saying it would eventually go back wouldn't go back to where it's at now but you know things like citizens united and getting this kind of uh revolving door of politicians and mm-hmm. lobbyists like could we you know they say that millennials basically famously uh, uh, were traumatized by the 2008 recession and just abandoned political systems right like everyone just wants to get rid of it yeah so there's no there's no like hey people don't realize that so i was in law enforcement and uh private all kinds of stuff in security world my whole life and um people don't realize that there's massive well-functioning bureaucracies already dedicated to constantly like improving policing right and they've been and they've been giving uh ideas and studies and crazy meta-analysis of the problems and prescriptions for them for a long time before anybody put their eye on the police and then millennials came along and were like let's just get rid of them yeah it's like well maybe we could just improve them maybe we could just continue to improve upon them which the grown-ups were doing yeah and so I don't know. Sometimes I do. I, I like, I don't want to say a two party system by any stretch of the imagination, but I think there could be significant resolve to improve it again. If people, you know, if people that were inclined to do that would do so, you know, and then there are some people that are, like you said, the, the notion that it's just, it's not working. Let's do away with mm. it. And, and I'm sympathetic to that as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm no, no huge supporter of, uh, of law enforcement like i i don't you know i and a lot of that has to do not with the cops themselves but it's just the laws the laws in general like mm-hmm. like that the whole george floyd thing was over a fake 20 dollar bill which probably stemmed from that guy getting fired because his job went away because the government shut down or shut uh forced that business to shut down like it, it all stems from control and uh, and the fact that the cops had to go show up to uh, arrest a guy for a fake twenty dollar bill, and the guy ended up dying, you know, like that. It just seems so wrong when you look at the at the the whole circumstance behind it. 
Like, I, I don't care what drugs the guy had in his system. He basically died over a fake $20 bill. And the cops should not have been in that position in the first place. And, and the, uh, you know, law enforcement's a damn near impossible job as it is. And when you keep adding stupid laws and turning your, your police officers into tax collectors, essentially, that's, that's where the distrust begins. And that's where it gets amplified the more you add these stupid okay. laws on. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and police have called for more funding over the years. And I think that not to launch into this whole police thing, but um, my understanding from having worked with them and, and served on executive protection details with them and, and studied it uh, in school was that uh, well, well, there is a militarization of the police, but that comes from things like ha- that happened in Florida and California, where where people just came out and killed cops and with with four AK 47s mm-hmm. until there was no more left to show up. Right, so you do need a, a branch that is militarized it's just for that, mm-hmm. right? Like a SWAT team type branch. But then you go to regular officers, and and this is a field that I worked in privately for a long time. Was um, I would come in and and, and deal with with uh, ways to teach people emotional fitness, right? To teach people that, that this is something that you have to have is equally as important as physical fitness is emotional fitness. You have to be able to have people just call you, you know, whatever to your face and literally it just not register. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. so you're going to ask a guy to do that for 25K a year and work 60 hours a week mm. and then on his off time mm. run and lift weights and train jujitsu so there isn't an altercation he doesn't feel the need to uh, go for his gun or his, his taser that, that doesn't work a majority of the time we know. And then you want less money for that guy. That's going to yeah. make that better. And it's like, no, yeah, <laughs> I, no, what we need is to pay these guys, you know, yeah. a year and uh, have not only that, the guys are overworked, they're mm. under recruited. Uh, we have this poly test. That's not, that's not working out for the best people being hired. It, I don't know what to do about it, but it needs reform. And there's, very variation of ways in which you could do reform that people have suggested, which money would help us look into and, and gather data on. So long story short, it's like, I know that the, the uh, defunding was just kind of a brief flash in the pan. It was a talking point, but it still was like a, a bigger symptomatic thing of like, let's not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's just fix something that's already working because at the end of the day, you're not going to send a social worker to deal with Joe Blow, former linebacker, Joe Public that beats his wife, right? Yeah. The social worker is going to be the worst possible person to deal with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's always, you know, and, you know, I, when that, that first thing came out, like defund the police, I was like, you know, I heard defund. Like, you, it wouldn't have mattered what you said after that. That's, you said defund and that's going to, that's going to prick my ears up. And I was like, okay, yeah. you're going to defund the police. All right, what's, what's that mean? Uh, and that's always my, my first thing. And, and, uh, and then it comes with every law too. My, my first thought, and this, this comes from my dad because he, he was in uh, legislature for eight years. How are you going to well, enforce it? Who's tasked with enforcing that? And, uh, but they, you know, it was defund. Was like, what, so, what's, what's that mean? Now, we're going to do away with police? In a, in a city rife with crime, are you going to do away with some of those laws that are dri- driving the crime? So, like the drug laws, are you going to do away with the drug war? Because then 
you could you can make a little better case about defunding the police because that you know that could uh, lead to the de-escalation of gang violence, uh, cartel violence. It could, but that's not what they're talking about. They're just talking about doing away with the cops and replacing them with social workers. Well, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. And this is coming from a leaning anarchist, leaning towards anarchy libertarian. Like that, that is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did a podcast on this about how we just have to be, and I don't know how successful it was, but how we have to be really clear going forward in like the ecosystem of ideas. We're on like a precipice of a lot of things going wrong. And so being really like, if you would have said, how about let's divert money from crazy SWAT teams, you know, or, or the, them needing a Bradley fighting vehicle or a, yeah. or a MRAP to, yeah. to better recruitment, right? Mm, or, or, or better training, uh, something like that. If you would have said, yeah, let's restructure the budget. I think a lot of people would have been receptive, but it was a knee-jerk reaction. And I get it. There probably was never any real chance. No. It was just kind of a far-left talking point, kind of a boogeyman people got real freaked out about. But at the end of the day, it was symptomatic that people, uh, at least a significant portion of young people, uh, were just in this, like, I I put a, a quote on Instagram that says, don't tear down a fence so you know why it was there. Yeah, but like good advice for cowboys, yeah. good advice for life, and that really is like uh, don't don't tear down a fence until you're you're sure what 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 it's keeping in. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, yeah that's about as solid advice as as you can get, and uh, <laughs> and there's also the the part like and and I I have to kind of you know brag on like the rural conservative uh, way of life, uh, but. I'm sure it, it it was drilled into your head at a young age too. Is like you you always leave something better than you found it, and uh, absolutely, you know whether whether you're you're camping or uh, like you're you're having a get together at the park or something. You know, like a family get together. Like our family was always like get to camp picking up trash. We're not leaving trash here, and. Um, and I think we need to do that as a society as a whole, like trash thinking, you know, um, trash insults, like get that shit out of here. Let's like, you know, if we're going to talk, you know, there's, it's, there's one thing, uh, talking shit or, uh, or hurling insults. Like I, I'm a big fan of talking yeah. shit. Like I, I'm, I'm a huge okay. fan of talking <laughs> shit, but yeah, it, it's gotta be, you know, in a joking way or it's gotta be constructive. You know, but just yeah, to really. hurl insults, right. just to hurl insults. I mean, that uh, I, I'm not about it. If, if, yeah. if we're doing yeah, it to absolutely. make each other laugh or or to to get something <laughs> constructive across, then then I'm all for it. But but just to do it, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not in that game. That's awesome. I think we definitely need that going forward. I uh, I, I do notice that that. Um, I mean, like I watched the McSally and um, Kelly debates here and she kept calling him. And I'm, I'm not a great fan of either of them, but she kept calling him counterfeit Kelly, counterfeit mm-hmm. Kelly. And, you know, I was thinking, man, if my dad or any of these old men were here, left, right, in between, they said, hey, just knock that crap off. Yeah. You know, they were like that. 
can't stand rude behavior in a man, that was them. They said, hey, knock that, knock that shit off. Yeah, that's, uh, that was uh, one of Trump's biggest problems. Didn't know when to shut the hell up. <laughs> True. Yep. True. Um, but I um, feel want to hold on a little bit, but I think, uh, I think we probably covered enough for, for one podcast and uh, we'll have to do it again. But before, before we leave, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, find your show. Yeah. Yeah. Just on, it's on YouTube and, um, we've got it on Spotify, uh, almost all the major platforms on, um, uh, everything except that I know of, except, uh, iTunes and then, uh, YouTube at Cowboys and Philosophers and I'm saying Cowboys and Philosophers if you want to check it out. And, uh, hopefully I give something that, uh, people might agree with, might not agree with, but might find interesting to hear. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Cool. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Like I said, we'll do it again. And um, move your ass. We're burning daylight. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Suffers in the crowd.